Ryan, are you there? Hello, Michael. Hello, Internet. Hello, world. Hello, worldwide Internet. Welcome to another edition of the Buck and Sack Show after a week layoff. We're back, Ryan. It's Wednesday night, December the 18th, 2019. We're a week away from Christmas, Ryan. The president got impeached today. How are mm-hmm. you? Uh, I'm pretty well, as you mentioned. Did not have a show last week. Have been uh, running into some upcoming travel snafus, but I'm going on vacation either way. The uh, the world will keep on spinning. Not going to let it dampen the holiday spirit. So here we are, ready to rock. Yeah. So you're you're set to fly to India for a yes. wedding on Christmas Eve. Then you're going to Thailand. We won't get into all the gory details, but you're having some visa issues with the fine country of India, and uh, the trip is really up in the air. But having said all that, (laughs) what's your good of the week? I mean, so much has gone on since we last talked. We had Lane Kiffin's now the head coach at Ole Miss. Uh, National Signing Day was today. Tiger uh, won the President's Cup with his American team. Uh, Football, we're heading into the second-to-last weekend of the year. The college football playoff is set all the bowls are set uh mlb free agency the winter meetings have come and gone so many things have happened where are you taking us on this good of the week uh so for my good of the week i'm going to go with something that happened somewhat recently just a couple nights ago on monday night football and um, i was just so incredibly amazed by the performance of one drew Brees, who um in addition to just routing the colts on monday night football and, uh, and ending their playoff hopes Broke Peyton Manning's all-time touchdown record, which we knew was coming, um, but it was uh, you know under cool circumstances on national TV. It was against the team that Drew Brees beat in the Super Bowl. It was on the 10-year anniversary on the night that they were doing a big old Super Bowl reunion. Um, also against the team that Peyton Manning played most of his career for. That too, yeah. um, and it basically you know it the career of Drew Brees would be enough to marvel at, but what I marveled at the most was not his career numbers that kind of were, that culminated on Monday night, but just Monday night's numbers. He went 29 of 30 passing the football, the one incompletion, kind of an errant pass out in the flat that could have been completed. Uh, I'm blown away in this day and age with as good as pass rushes have gotten as many different schemes as um, defenses want to try to throw at you, knowing what Drew Brees brings to the table, to throw the ball 30 times and only put it on the ground once is just so incredibly remarkable. And, you know, it speaks to kind of the proficiency of his career. I mean, I think of, you think of some of these, some of these kind of mountain type quarterbacks and uh, the kind of the, the pantheon of the great. And I think of <clears throat> Peyton Manning as kind of like the master technician who could go and audible any play and, um, read any defense and, and whatnot. And then, you know, you had like the, the kind of gunslinger of, of Brett Favre. You've got Tom Brady, who's just got like that. He's got the clutch gene. He's got that winning vibe. He, he's found a way with Belichick uh, to make it work. But with, with Breeze, really, he has been just remarkably accurate over his entire career. And um, for, him to hit, for him to kind of hit this career milestone on a night that he was damn near perfect was, 
was was really, really impressive. And there's lots to take from it. I mean, Michael Thomas is a freak. I think he's been targeted over 150 times this year, and he only has one drop the entire season. Um, he's now caught t- more than 10 passes in over 10 games, uh, or over eight games this season, which no one's ever done before, I don't believe. And um, it's just, it, but Breeze is is what has made that Saints machine go for so long and I, I thought it was cool I know that you had the opportunity to cover him in San Diego I believe and yeah. uh and and he but he is he has just been one of the best at doing his job and I, I thought it was cool on a night when he hit this career milestone to really have this career game at the same time yeah he's really really good and he's deserving of all the accolades that he's earned and all the accolades that are going to come his way in the future. He's now thrown 541 touchdown passes. That's two more than Manning. Uh, But, you know, some of these passing records, Ryan, it just gets a little bit lost, I think, with how much the game has changed, you know, versus how great players like John Elway and Dan Marino and and even Peyton Manning and certainly Joe Montana and going back farther, Fran Tarkenton and Johnny Unitas and and guys like that. I mean, if you look at the top 10 right now, all-time touchdown passing leaders, um, nine, sorry, five of the top 10 are active. Breeze, Brady, Rivers, Eli, Big Ben, and Rodgers. And then Matt Ryan is 11th. So, I mean, to me, that tells you a lot. Not to take anything away from Drew Brees, but the game has just changed. So it, you're not really comparing apples to apples if you were to say try to compare Breeze to Joe Montana, it's just kind of impossible to do. Right. But it is, and that's said, why to me, the 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 total number of you know 541 career touchdowns isn't quite as impressive because the game has gotten so much more pass happy. But that's to me why the the accuracy part of just Monday night's game was agree. so remarkable. Oh yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think that when people just general fans evaluate quarterbacks and sort of compare and contrast quarterbacks, that's the one area that they forget is the completion percentage and accuracy and efficiency. And I think it's such an underrated part of any quarterback's game is how accurate are you? And to me, that really is what separates the the really good from the truly great. So, uh, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Breeze. He's had an amazing career. I did get to cover him for three years in San Diego. I was actually uh, standing right there on the sideline when he hurt his shoulder and they had to mm. help him off the field, and, and Rivers I didn't in. know that you were on the sideline for that game. I wow. was on the side. I was right there. I mean, I actually, on my on a primitive, it must have been an iPhone, like one of the first iPhones, I had a picture of Rivers kind of running on the field by Breeze as they were helping him off, and I've since lost that picture. I wish I still had it. Um, but, I mean, I even it was even sort of hit me in the moment what was happening because – even before he got hurt, there were heavy rumblings that he was out of town. I mean, they had basically mm-hmm. decided that Rivers was going to be the main man the next season. And then, you know, the, the uncertainty with Breeze made him far less of an attractive free agent than he would have been. And, you know, as the story goes, Nick Saban is, is highly intertwined in the Drew Brees story, too, because uh, Breeze and Dante Culpepper were the two big free agents that first year that Saban went to the Miami Dolphins, his first and only head coaching job in the NFL. And then, of course, the Dolphins medical staff famously wouldn't clear Breeze, and they went with Culpepper, and the rest is history. I mean, it, it, that, that decision right there really altered the future of, in many ways, both the NFL and college football for the next 15 years. So 
which is yeah, kind of an interesting absolutely. thing. You know, th there's a personal side of the Breeze story <coughs> that we've talked about before. I think that there's a lot of untold mm -hmm. stories, not even things that I necessarily know. Yeah. Uh, a lot, of, but I just find that all to be interesting, and I find it interesting how the common fan just seems to either have forgotten about a lot of that or doesn't even really know. Uh, and we've gotten into this on the podcast before. I don't want to get into it now, but yeah, and you can. I mean, if you're interested, you can find it. I know there's a, there's an estrangement with his mom, uh, and there there have been some kind of interesting happenings there. Um, but Very we, like like you said, and, but, we've and that's uh, just we, we've sort of the beginning. We've been down that road. Yeah, and you can yeah. find it out. On your own. I just think it's an interesting part of the story. But all signs point, obviously a great player on the field, a great leader, uh, a, a hugely positive force in that community. I mean, without a doubt, Ryan, he is the most popular athlete in the history of New Orleans sports. And, you know, just the way he and that team is connected with the city via, you know, in the wake of Hurricane Katrina and all that he did for them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's really an incredible thing. And, and it, you know, for him to now be setting all the major passing records in the NFL, is, it's, a, it's, it's amazing. He's yeah, great. and the highest completion percentage in a game in the history of the NFL. On the night that he broke the On the night that he broke the all-time touchdown record. Yeah. Pretty uh, tough to do on the same night, let alone do at all independently. Yeah, and you know, an interesting side note is Brady's only three behind Breeze now. Yeah, yeah. So, he said uh, he said he's coming for him. Yeah, he tweeted about that that he's going to try or whatever. But um, good, good of the week. I'm going to stay in the NFL for my good of the week, and my good of the week is basically just how this playoff race is shaping up now. You know, uh, a lot of things happened last week. I think. Perhaps most notably was the Niners dropping a game to the Falcons mm -hmm. at home. They blew a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. So now, you know, if they had won that game, they would really be in the driver's seat to beat the Rams this weekend at home before having to go up to Seattle in the season finale. But now they're going to probably have to win both those games. And even if they do, you know, I don't. You know, we'll have to see what happens to the Seahawks. But as we've been talking about in previous weeks, this race for the the bye in the first round mm -hmm. and then the home field advantage throughout, I think, is really, really big. I mean, the Ravens look to be in the driver's seat for the one seat in the AFC. And then, you know, I want to ask you, but I guess I'm going to ask you this: Who do you think is <laughs> going to Who do you think is going to play in the Super Bowl, and who do you think is going to win with two weeks to play in the regular season? So that's a that's a good question. Um, I'm inclined to stick with my initial preseason prediction because it's it's still in play. Initially, I predicted I, I predicted it would be the Saints over the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Okay, um, I don't. Do you remember who I predicted? I uh, I don't think I do. I don't either. I have no idea. But but keep going. <laughs> um, but it, the. I think a lot of it may come down to who gets home field because there is still plenty of jockeying to be had. I mean, the fact that you could have the, the Seahawks, Niners, Saints, and Packers all have a path to the one seed or yeah. at least a two seed and a bye, um, that could dictate a lot. I think um, certain teams, maybe it doesn't matter for quite as much, but I think, you know, Lambeau is a place that you don't want to have to go on the road and you might like the Packers chances if they were hosting games. Uh, I don't think Seattle, that Seattle's a particularly easy place to go either. I think that certainly, uh, and neither is the Dome. I think that the, the I think of all, all four places you'd want to go, you'd probably want to go to Levi Stadium. Um, 
to play the Niners, uh, but you know, any of those teams getting home field are become super dangerous. I, I think the Niners to me feel like the kind of team that has wowed everybody this year, but doesn't have the playoff experience and kind of um, been there before. I mean, I know they have guys who have, but I wouldn't be surprised if they made an, like an earlier exit than they should kind of after, after taking the world by storm in the regular season, but not quite being ready yet. I, I wouldn't, put it past the saints uh, to figure it out. I think their defense is starting to come together a little bit. And I would be inclined to say the Seahawks just because Russell Wilson is so damn clutch, but their defense has holes in it, man. And uh, so I, I think I'm going to stick with the saints. I think that they, they may be able to, to get one of those buys and at least have uh, at least host a game in the dome. So I'm going to stick with the saints and in the AFC, um, I can see it being Baltimore. I can see it being Kansas city. Uh, I, this is the kind of year where everybody writes off the Patriots and then they'll find a way to go to the Super Bowl again anyways. But I don't know, man. They, they seem like they're really having some trouble. There's now reports that Julian Edelman uh, has a serious knee injury. They, they have lost a lot of weapons um, just through kind of Their over the years. Their offensive line it. is not playing well either. It's not good. Brady obviously isn't very mobile. He's struggling to throw the ball down the field more. They're trying to get young receivers up to speed. I just – I don't know. You know, this – Patriots team might have it just kind of based on coaching, grit, moxie experience. And that could be, I guess, something that carries them. But I think that, ba- I think that Baltimore and KC might be too good. Um, and so I, I would look for one of them to come out of the AFC. And uh, considering I went Saints over Chiefs to open the season, I'll stick with it. I agree with you. That's who I would pick to. I, I, I'm going well, with okay. Saints over Chiefs if, if I had to bet on it right now. And, you know, when I look at it, there's a million different ways you can break it up. Obviously, I'm not going to throw any next-gen stats at you right now. I like to go get down to basics. You know, who has the healthier and better offensive and defensive lines? Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing I look for. And then after that, I look for coaching and quarterbacks. And in the NFC, two of the four main contenders have two coaches that have never coached a playoff game, in Kyle Shanahan and uh, your boy, Brian LaFleur. And then two have won Super Bowls with Sean Payton and Pete Carroll. So an interesting sort of dynamic there. And the same can be said for the quarterbacks. Of course, Rodgers is the X factor in that he has, he's obviously won a Super Bowl as well, whereas uh, Jimmy G has not. And then in the mm-hmm. AFC, uh, you know, John Harbaugh has won one. Obviously, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid has not uh he's been to one and lost with the eagles and then uh, you know bill o'brien certainly hasn't and neither has sean mcdermott and then mike tomlin obviously has but i don't know until i just like the chiefs i like what the chiefs are doing i like what their defense is doing i know andy Reid has a history of collapsing in the playoffs but don't you think he's got to get over the hump at some point? And I, I, I would yes. like to see them yes, I do. get over the Patriots and get that second spot uh, and get that first round by. I think that would help them tremendously. And then they probably got to go to Baltimore for the AFC Championship game, Mahomes versus Lamar. That would be a hell of, a hell of an AFC Championship game. I think that's what I would like to see. But if we're picking... I'm going Saints over the Chiefs. The thing that concerns me about the Saints is they've got injuries in the secondary, and I just don't love this running game that they're trotting out there with Alvin Kamara 
having much bigger role than he's ever had now. And I just don't, you know, Latavius Murray is a poor substitute right now for Mark Ingram, who's going full steam ahead for the Ravens. I think the Saints mm-hmm. regret letting Ingram walk out the door. But, uh, you know, that that's the one area I do worry about with the Saints is can they run the ball? Can they pick up third and threes yeah. with either Kamara or Murray, you know, in an NFC championship game, potentially on the road. I think mm-hmm. that's tough. So that that's where I worry. But Breeze, you know, he's pretty freaking good. And and I, I would take him in, in, in an NFC championship game. You I know think. something I heard about, about Breeze, too, specifically, is that, uh, you know, last year at this time, people were really doubting uh, his arm talent. And they were saying that, you know, he, he looked tired throwing the football. I remember, yeah. And and I heard Jeff Schwartz, a former offensive lineman, say that he thinks that that, that broken thumb six weeks actually, uh, in retrospect, did Breeze wonder because he he looks he looks fresh now. And I, I don't know if it's him, yeah. all the repetition, but if but if he wasn't able to throw for a month and a half, maybe he's got a little more left in the tank right now, which which could bode well for them. Yeah. I find that interesting, too. You don't hear a lot of talk about older quarterbacks just kind of losing the fastball. You know, even when it's sort of obvious, Mm -hmm. it's almost like people don't really talk about it until it's painfully obvious. Because you don't have like a a radar gun on these quarterbacks like you do in Major League Baseball. In Major League Baseball, when a guy starts losing his velocity, that's front page news. Because it's just right there in your face in front of you. You've got the metrics to sort of back it up. You don't notice that or talk about it or hear about it nearly as much with quarterbacks but it's obviously a factor oh definitely and, and yeah. i think that especially now that we're seeing this this kind of era of quarterbacks who we've been so familiar with who've been so dominant for so long it's it's becoming more apparent as they're all kind of hitting this wall it seems simultaneously i mean some of the games we've seen philip rivers have this year some of the throws we've seen tom brady make this year um you know, it's they're they're not the guys they used to be, and uh, eventually they're going to going to we're going to be able to start to see those cracks, and some of that is uh, is apparent now. Yeah, I mean, the most glaring example I can think of is when Peyton Manning had his last year in Denver. I mean, yep. he just couldn't throw the ball at all. Yep. He somehow goes on to win no. the freaking Super Bowl, but that was the one where it was just like, oh my god, like he is nowhere close to what he once was. I mean, well, I felt that that night that I was watching. Uh, I think it was a Thursday night football or Monday night football, the Raiders and Chargers. Or maybe oh, it was Chiefs and Chargers, but it was, it was a national – and Rivers was just oh, – I mean, it looked he, like he was he just threw five shot putting the ball. Yeah. 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 It was it's horrible. I had bet on the Chargers that night too. That was pathetic. Oh, man, it was rough. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Um, I do want to say one more thing and then moving on. I think we are going to be treated to a really nice triple header on Saturday. Uh, the two later games, you got Buffalo and New England. You got the Rams and the Niners. A really good uh, Saturday slate coming up. It's all on the NFL Network, which I don't get on my YouTube TV. So I don't know what I'm going to do about that. But uh, I'm looking forward to those games on Saturday if I can watch them or not. But a good Saturday slate. That's my good of the week. What's your bad? Uh, my bad of the week uh, comes as I was the. I- Yes, uh, casualty, or I was the um, the aggrieved party in a grocery store scam. Really? And um, and and when I say grocery store, I guess it's kind of more like, I guess it's a grocery store. But are you familiar with Fred Meyer? Do you have Fred Meyer? 
I mean, very. It's a, big. it's a, it's a, it's a chain, chain store. I've Anyways, seen it's it. Kind of I like don't know a, if I've ever been to one. I would liken it, I guess, maybe to like Target, where, but Target with more food, um, and and more like grocery options. But they have everything from like, you know, home appliances and garden supplies and auto, you know, motor oil and things like that. But then they also have all your grocery uh-huh. stuff, whatever. So <clears throat> I needed a. Um, a fireplace screen. We have a wood burning fireplace uh, downstairs and didn't have just the kind of dark wrought iron looking great thing that you stand up in front of it. It makes your sparks and embers don't come out. So went to pick one of those up and thought, okay, this, I don't need a, you know, we don't need a fancy one. All it has to do is, is block embers from getting out. So I'll just, I'll find a cheap one at the store. Uh, I knew that they had a section of stuff that would, would have this. And so I find one, it's like, it's twenty nine ninety nine. no big deal. I pick this thing up, I'm like thinking that it's it's going to be the perfect fit. Bring it home, uh, and the next day I'm out, and my wife calls me. She goes, "Did you look in the box?" I'm like, "No. Why would I? Why would I look in the box?" She goes, "Well, I just tried to get the the screen out of the box, and someone just filled it up with weighted garbage. It looks like they bought it." took out the fireplace screen, refilled it with garbage so it felt like the fireplace screen was in there, and then returned it for money. So I got I got home with a literal box of garbage from the grocery store because some jack wagon decided it was it was worth their time to make a quick 30 bucks by ripping off the store and in essence me. So that's that's my bad of the week. And I'm gonna I have not yet gone back to Fred Meyer. Actually, I shouldn't say I haven't gone back. I have gone back. I went back to their returns and was going to just get a new one. Well, in the time that I had been there, someone bought the last one. So now I have to go to a different Fred Meyer, and it's going to be fine. But it's annoying, and it's just like a what a crappy thing for someone to do. I mean, anytime, but around the holiday time, just kind of put a sour taste in my mouth. It's just a really petty, kind of a low-life move. And I do believe that these kind of people who do these kind of things, it comes back around on them and ultimately it's not going to affect me too much but uh, a super huge annoyance and really just a crappy thing all around yeah you combine that with the headaches that you've had about getting this visa to go to <laughs> india for your yeah. wife's friend's wedding it's been a bit of a rough sled here for you in the early stages of the holiday season right but I like the that. person they took so much time they they had like they had tied off bags of sand that they put in there so that it would feel like the right weight i mean i guess if you're going to do the scam do it right but uh, I've never heard of yeah. such a thing. Getting getting someone else's getting home with someone else's garbage kind of sucked. Totally. And now you gotta garbage you know, that I paid thirty bucks. Figure for. it out. <laughs> You're still left having to try yeah. to figure it out. Sucks. <clears throat> totally sucks. I haven't been victim of a scam in quite a while. I think the last scam that I was involved in was probably six or seven years ago. I some I. I had the bug for about a year to get a pair of Air Jordan shoes, and you know I kept looking online. Was it just one specific pair, or were you trying to get into the sneaker game? No, a specific pair. I think it's like the threes or the fours. the The first ones that had that like kind of mesh thing on them. You know what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, I know about? what you're. I know the ones you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I remember just wanting them since I was a little kid. I never got a pair. I don't think I've ever had a pair of Jordans. And, you know, I was probably 33, 34. And I just, for like a year, wanted one. I kept checking online. They were too expensive or you couldn't get them. And then one day I found some on eBay for quite a bit cheaper than what they normally were. And I jumped at it. 
And, and almost like as soon as I bought them, I'm like, you know what? I bet I just bought some fake Jordans. I just kind of had a feeling. And then they showed up, and you know, the second you even got the box, it was obvious that they were fake. Yeah. And and I don't. It was they were definitely from some sort of Chinese seller. Um, and I don't remember how, but I I actually got I sent an email to whoever I bought them from and threatened them. And I think that I actually ended up getting refunded for them, which is shocking. But yeah. they were definitely fake. I think I got some, if not all, of my money back. But that oh, that's good. Yeah, that that's my scam story. But I'm afraid. I'm so I'm not afraid. I'm sorry that 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 happened to you. That totally sucks. <laughs> yeah. It, it honestly a minor bump in the road, but certainly worthy of my bat of the week. Okay, um, I'm going to try to lift our spirits here with my bad of the week, although I don't think it's going to work. Um, <laughs> my bad of the week is our New England Patriots being filthy oh fucking boy. cheaters. Um, <laughs> that's, where I, that's where I'm at, Ryan. Um, you know me. We both are admirers of the Pats. We are not fans. We are on record in talking endlessly about how much we admire their organization, from the top on down, I defended them v- vociferously during the Deflate Gate scandal. I thought that it was really much ado about nothing. I thought that uh, Brady's four-game suspension was uncalled for and too much. Uh, I didn't like the way Roger Goodell and the NFL handled the whole thing. But you know, this thing with the the Bengals and the video that we saw that Jay Glazer apparently somehow got his hands on. It reeks to me. It reeks to high hell, particularly given, you know, the other two public scandals that they've been involved in. The yeah. Spygate, which happened a long time ago, and then, you know, obviously more recently, the Deflategate. It's bad, Ryan. I think it looks really bad. I think that there's a lot that you can sort of read between the lines. I think on its face, it's not really much, but I think when you kind of piece things together... And, and sort of look at how the Patriots employee who was doing the taping sort of wanted to erase the tape immediately, and he was more than happy to erase the tape. To me, that reeks of guilt. Um, and who knows how many other teams they've been doing this to for how many years. You know, for those that don't understand, what I think was happening, if you're going to piece it all together, is they, you know, they have this series online on Patriots.com of, It's called Do Your Job, where they follow different, you know, they'll do a feature on the trainer, they'll do a feature on the groundskeeper, they'll do a feature on the ball boy or whatever. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of a day in the life of different Patriots staffers. Right. And apparently their their alibi for what happened in Cincinnati is they were taping a feature on one of the advanced scouts. But the video is just 15 minutes or so of the Bengals sideline wide shot. We were both TV producers. That's not B-roll. The video that I saw, you cannot show that in any sort of feature story on anybody, much less, you know, you're not going to show. It's not not usable for that purpose. It's not usable for that purpose. And the fact that this employee who is doing the videotaping uh, again wants to immediately erase the tape so he won't get in trouble tells me kind of everything that I know that I need to know. And uh, the whole thing disgusts me. I think the Patriots are now guilty of showing repeated and consistent 
disrespect for other teams in the league, uh, disrespect for the NFL's rules. They're basically out there acting rogue, doing whatever they can to get any sort of edge that they can by any means necessary. And, and I think it's terrible for the NFL. I think it's terrible for the game. I think it just sucks all around. It, to me, it totally tarnishes these six Super Bowls that they've won. You know, I don't know what to believe anymore. I'm also a little bit surprised that this, it, it doesn't seem to be nearly as big of a scandal as I thought it would be and still think it might be. And I'm not really sure why. Um, you want to take it from here? I guess those are my overall thoughts on it. Yeah, so I've kind of actually been mixed on this. I'm inclined to side with where with where you're at. There, There are some things that, lead me to believe the Patriots wouldn't be stupid enough to put themselves in this sort of position again. But this is pattern behavior. So it's it, at some point, it's the whole fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. I mean, it's not it, – it, you can't afford to give them the benefit of the doubt right now. The, the reasons, though, that I, would, that I would think that maybe this is plausible – now, I agree with you on the, the, the quality of the footage was very questionable for the purpose that – he was allegedly uh, filming for. But the other thing, too, is, like, why would you need to be in a box for that? Like, you could do that so much more covertly, and you don't even need a um, – you don't need, like, a, a fancy camera to do it. Apparently, it was for, for like, substitution patterns and or – like, they could just buy a ticket, sit in the stands, and have, like, a little handy cam do the exact same thing, and no one would be any the wiser, I wouldn't think. And, like – so it's I, I don't agree with that. Like I mean, they, if, I, I don't agree with that, Ryan. You can't if the NFL has a policy. I think they can get the same things that they that they were going for without being in the position they were in. Is what I'm saying. And considering they've been caught maybe, before, I thought but, they would have been more buttoned up than this. But I, I, that, I don't buy. I still don't buy it. Um, I, I think that this is a, if you're thinking about well, what would be a good excuse that would get off get us off the hook. This would certainly be a great way to great way to start and a great uh, yarn to weave. So I think that the, you know if if I was sending someone out to do this and they got caught, I would have them prepared with a story like this. And like you said, the footage doesn't add up. The attitude and demeanor. I mean, it seems like a person who got caught doing something wrong, not caught doing something they were supposed to be doing. Um, yeah. If you're not guilty, you don't act like you're guilty, right? Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's sort of like this whole impeachment thing that we have going on. You know, there, there, there are some parallels to be drawn, but, but I, but I digress on that too, but I don't know, man, but why do you think it's not a bigger scandal right now? Uh, a couple reasons. I think that for one, even if they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt, people want to give the Patriots the benefit of the doubt. And I think the reason for that is like people like a champion and people don't want to believe that what they've seen for the last, you know, 12 years or so um, has all, has all been gotten unfairly. I think, I think that people, I don't want to say it's denial, but kind of, I mean, I, I think that it's more convenient to be like, you know what? It's probably not that big of a deal. And, why wouldn't sure? Like I'll just I'll roll with whatever well, I think Belichick that's and the Brady stance say. That's... That the Patriot fans are taking, but I think that the Patriots are right now by far the most hated team in the league. And I'm a little bit surprised that fans from all corners aren't coming out of the woodwork, you know, demanding Belichick be kicked out of the league, honestly. 
And you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know if people don't quite understand it. It just doesn't seem to be that big of a media shitstorm yet, and that right. that aspect of it surprises me. You know, I hope. I honestly hope that the NFL is going to conduct a legitimate investigation on this, and I expect that they will. I do too. Um, and I'm interested to see what comes of it because I think that, you know, I'm. I'll just say, I think that if they find out that this is suspicious at best and something far worse at worst, they need to take really, really serious action. I mean, if you're going to suspend Sean Payton for a year for the Bounty Gate scandal, I think it, you know, I think Belichick would be in line for at least that. At least that. I totally agree. So that's that's the thing. No, no half measures here. If you find that something is amiss. This can't be a we're going to fine you $250,000 no. and a couple and a, and, a, and a draft pick. That's crap and these guys can can succeed around that. If there if there is something nefarious afoot here and I think there's enough to investigate that you can get to the bottom of this. This isn't one of those things like oh we'll never know. Like you know, considering the staffer that's involved, this isn't like when they were going after Brady for deflate gate and you knew that Brady was going to be smart enough to not give them what they needed. You know, they're they're gonna I think they're gonna get caught if something was wrong. And I think something may have been wrong. And if that's the case, it puts a huge stain on what they've done. And and you're absolutely right about the punishment needing to be severe. Very severe. Like I'm talking at least a year suspension for the head coach, and I would keep them out yeah. of the playoffs for a year as well. That that's what yeah. I would do. I mean, maybe uh you could also you could also take uh, you could suspend the coach for a year and take their their entire draft pick class. No, no draft picks. For well, the that would season. be if you uh, that would be a very severe punishment. <laughs> I they, know <laughs> I that know. would be a very severe punishment. Yeah, I don't know. Let let's save that debate for. <laughs> I, again, I'm just. It almost seems like the whole thing has died down, and and that's probably the most surprising thing to me. But, you know, it just doesn't sit well with me. I can't defend this on any level. And, and I'm really interested to see what comes of it. That's my bad of the week. Uh, what's your interesting? Uh, my interesting of the week is Madison Bumgarner moving on mm. from San Francisco. And I, I think it's interesting for a number of reasons. As a fan, I'm just disappointed to see the guy go. I mean, he is, he is the biggest legend um, in Maybe, probably in San Francisco Giants history, in, in my eyes. I mean, I, there are a lot of guys that have been uh, a part of uh, the, the championships that they won, but um, none was maybe more crucial than him, especially for the third one that they got. And obviously always a fan favorite. Um, but I think what's Who interesting guys, about it is... Right, I want to kind of here. Who were the guys yeah. that won all three championships besides Bumgarner and Posey? Bumgarner, Posey... Uh, Javier Lopez was one. There were four, right? Was there, I'm not were there four even of them? Sure. Um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not off the top of my head either. Um, I believe that Lopez was there. I like. I, I know Craw that Crawford was not because Renteria. Crawford was not right, and I think I, th I want to say it was another pitcher. What about the pan? Um, I think he might have not been there for twenty. Like left off the roster in twenty twelve. You're right. Four, no, no, because twenty twelve. No, well, 2012. He hit the. He three hit home the th runs. That's right. He hit the. Th I was at the game. He hit the three homers uh, against wow. against the Tigers. That's um, awesome. But any anyhow, I mean, sorry, I, I didn't I, mean so, to interrupt. 
No, 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 no worries. But but basically, Bumgarner is the you know epitomizes the success of the Giants um, in this last decade, and it's just tough to see a guy like that go as a fan. And you know, I, I don't wish him any ill will. But then you leave and you see he's only going for five years and eighty-five million, and and I thought maybe he would command more than that. I think the reason that he doesn't is because from an analytics standpoint now, the way that they're evaluating the game, he doesn't look nearly as good on paper as he does or he has just in big moments and in big games when they've needed him. Overall, his numbers as a whole aren't aren't super sexy. They are in the postseason, um, and they are in big games when they've needed him and he's provided a lot of awesome moments and he has that bulldog in him but um just from the the standpoint of like the sheer numbers he didn't command the salary of some of these other aces and for that reason i thought uh, well why can't you keep him around then for that kind of price you go on to find out that bumgarner said he could have only gone to a california team or his agent said for about a hundred million dollars because of the tax differences there and so okay then that makes a little bit more sense but then the frustration that he's basically going from a team in the Giants that are trying to rebuild to another team in the same division that's going to rebuild. And I'm not saying the Giants should have ponied up the same amount of money, but it's it's just a difficult predicament to be in, I think, from the franchise's standpoint where you're trying to keep fans happy, you're also trying to win ball games, you're also trying to go in your new direction, and it's hard to justify spending the money now with the data we have on investments that we know are riskier than, than should be worth taking. And I think that that's what Farhan Zaidi and uh, the Giants brass decided here. And it's kind of a cruel reality of the of the new analytics era of sports that we're in is, you know, guys aren't sticking around based on what they've done anymore. They're sticking around based on what the numbers say they're going to do in the future. And so it was, one of the, it was one of those things where, you know, I think maybe even 10 years ago, if you had moved the whole timeline back, then this was going on. Bumgarner might still be a giant just because you know he'd earned that that next contract based on what he'd done previously, and that's not really the way it works anymore. And I, I think it's it's interesting from the fan perspective having to understand the new direction, but also wanting to kind of hold on to some of that nostalgia. And then it's interesting from just from the baseball perspective of what is a a guy like Madison Bumgarner worth whose numbers don't tell you necessarily that he's an ace. But if you can get to the postseason, there are a few pitchers in major league baseball. You choose to start a game over him. He at this stage in his career, Ryan, if you look at the numbers, which I'm doing right now, he's not an ace for a team that wants no. to win the world. No. Series. He's not. And I would make the argument. Mm-hmm. He's not even a number two. Um, you know, he just finished up his ninth full major league season. Uh, what do you think was the highest he finished in the Cy Young Award voting in any one year? Oh, uh, I'll go seventh. Oh, higher than that. He finished oh, okay. fourth twice, sixth okay. once, and ninth once. Because um, I don't remember him ever really having a stellar ERA. I know there was a year he was making a bid for trying ERA to get to... His best ERA year was... I mean, he had some good ones. Consecutively... In tw- starting in 2013, he had a 277, then a 298, then a 293, then a 274. All okay, that's a pretty three. good run. <laughs> pretty good. It's a pretty uh, good run. He, he pitched 200 more than 200 innings every single year mm-hmm. that he was a full-time major league starter, except for two. 
and, and those were the two injury years in 2017 and 2018. But just last year, he still went at, went and pitched 207 and two-thirds innings. He had a 3.90 ERA, which was the biggest he's had in his career as a full-time starter. Mm-hmm. So trending down, you know, I think that it's just such a classic case of how amazingly studly he was in those playoffs and, you know, bringing his team three World Series and, of course, in 2014, arguably the best postseason by a pitcher in the history of the game. And that's not a stretch to say either. No. Um, you know. No, he has he's pitched in total 36 World Series innings and he's given up one earned run. That's incredible. But he's he's thirty years old now. He he turned thirty mm-hmm. on August first. So, yeah, I actually thought he was a little older than he is. But you, you're talking about signing him to a five year deal. He's going to be thirty five when he's done. You know, I think he got about what he should have gotten eighty five mil. Yeah. As far as the Giants keeping him, you know, I don't know. I I see both sides of that. Like, I think they made the right move, but it's 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 tough as a fan to separate. That and it's always been a thing, but I think now, you know, you used to keep guys for sentimental reasons. That doesn't happen anymore. I have a, you know, the two things I guess that interest me the most are why the Diamondbacks. It, it just doesn't seem to make any sense. Yeah. I mean, we know that the Braves, the Cardinals. I uh, thought it was going to be one of those two, or even the Dodgers. I know that his relationship with Kershaw, they're a contender. But, you know, they weren't willing to pony up. He's from the South, apparently grew up as a Braves fan. I mean, they need another (coughs) pitcher. They're ready to win right now. Uh, The Yankees were in on him. Uh, Some other teams, I think the White Sox and the Twins were both after him. To me, all of those teams I just named would have been better for him than the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's that's just the way I feel. But, you know, and also, why do you want to go up in the same division as the Giants when you don't really have a great chance to win. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me either. Uh, but, you know, he should do what yeah. he wants. I do have a little bit of a problem, and I, and I hate people who try to tell other people what to do with their money. That's not what I'm saying. But when you're making $85 million in five years, do taxes <laughs> really matter that much to you? I mean, I don't know. That, that, that I think it's, it's more that it's like the... Mar- that basically it's the, the money isn't equal both places and he you know he he wants what's what's the the, the same value from each 85 million dollars but no it doesn't I mean, matter he's it already should. made i'm looking at it he's made about 58 million dollars so we're now talking he's that's gonna the have, thing he's never cashed in on a massive deal and the giant he has a claim like, but he's him, going but, any way you look at it he will have made over 100 million dollars in salary I just he has generational wealth now. He's fine. You should be making decisions based on your on your taxes. I don't know that 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 just seems right. short sighted to me. But people should do what they want. He's obviously going to do what he wants. I just think that's a weird excuse for guys that make over a hundred mil. But that's just I don't right. disagree. A hundred mil before you're thirty five. How, how's that? How's that sound? Enough. That's what that sounds like. I Enough. Agree. I agree. Okay. Good interesting of the week. My interesting of the week is, and it's a story that's been out there for a while. Uh, the Wall Street Journal, I think it was, published an article on December 2nd saying basically that N- national NBA ratings t- on the television side are down 20% in the first quarter of the season over last year, and regionally they're down about 13% uh, 
uh, comparing the first quarter of 2019 to 2018. That's interesting to me um, for a number of reasons. You know, I remember on our show before last NBA season started, and everybody on Twitter seemed to be so excited for it. And it seemed to me at that time that the Warriors were a basic shoe-in to win the NBA championship, or if at least to win it. And then, of course, you know, KD and Clay got hurt, and everything changed from there. And we could right. have seen Kawhi. Yeah, I was wrong. But my point was, is I just didn't understand what all the excitement for the NBA regular season starting was. And I've been on record as saying it before, as somebody who produced pre- and post-game shows in the NBA for, I think, nine seasons. The season's too long. It drags out yeah. forever. It's almost impossible to follow it all and watch these games night in and night out unless you're just an absolute diehard fan. And, you know, Ethan Strauss of The Athletic wrote a nice article about a week and a half ago about all the different reasons that are sort of being floated out there in the mainstream, mostly by the NBA, and sort of debunking all of them. It's an interesting article. Everybody should go out and read it. And, you know, there's a lot of theories. And, and I have my own theories you know, I guess cord cutting, I think, is one of them. I think that's part of it. Uh, I do think that LeBron no longer being on in the Eastern time zone hurts him a little bit. You know, I think that one of the things that Ethan didn't mention was just all these stars right now being injured. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. KD, Curry, Clay, John Wall, uh, there are some well, like the Warriors that... were supposed to play like 20 national TV games, and they've—I yeah. know they've scaled that back a little bit, but like when you're rolling the Warriors out for your like marquee West Coast games, you know, every other week, that—that's not going to sell right now. Yeah, and I was going to get to that, and, and I think that's part of it too. You know, I think that that for better or for worse, I don't think it's good for the league to have a superpower team like we have with the Warriors, but it does seem to resonate more with the casual fan that they've got this superpower team. You either love them or you hate them, but you at least yeah. know them. And They're you're interested in them. And, and you mm -hmm. want to watch them. And now that's just, that carpet got pulled completely out. So the Warriors, you know, they went to five straight finals, and now this Warriors team has none of those same players except for Draymond Green, who is the least biggest draw out of all of them. So I think that hurts a lot. But then the other thing that I think hurts, Ryan, and, and this is something that Ethan Strauss didn't mention, but Strauss went on Ryan Rossillo's show, and Rossillo brought this up, and I agree. I just think that a lot of the top players in the NBA right now are outwardly pissed off and unhappy half the time or yeah. unlikable, such as James Harden. I mean, you look at who are the biggest stars. I think that... LeBron has lost some of his shine. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I think that LeBron's fans are always going to love him, but I think LeBron's really polarizing and has lost a lot of people. I, well, I and he just be, he's become as much about everything else as he was, ha, has been about basketball. And yeah. I think that when LeBron was all hoops, people were more interested and engaged. And I don't think that people particularly care about all this other stuff that he's doing. And, uh, and so I think for that reason, it's like you, you see him more in these other settings than you do. In, in the on the basketball court and, and people are like yeah yeah but I, I just think the general sort of unhappiness of a lot of these players and plus them wanting to move teams all the time has pissed off a lot of people and i mm -hmm. think that it's just sort of alienated a lot of people and they don't really even you know the more casual fan doesn't even know what team maybe paul george is on and you know you talk right. about Kyrie being unhappy you talk about russell westbrook always being unhappy you talk about chris paul 
being unhappy. Durant, I mean, Durant's not even playing. I think that all, all plays a big factor here. And then the other thing is, and I don't want to get too political, but if you look at, I think that the NBA, you know, it, well, well documented. We've talked about it a lot. They're kind of outwardly very progressive. They take on a lot of social issues. That their their players and and some of their owners and even some of the main coaches have been very outspoken against the president and against a more conservative viewpoint. And I think that matters too. I think that they've sort of you know. Yeah. Who are the two biggest stars in the NBA right now? Arguably, it's LeBron and Curry. They've been outspoken against the president, and probably your two most well-known coaches, Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich, have also been very outspoken against the president. So I think that matters on some level to, you know, 25 30% of your potential fan base, and I think that that matters. But I think all of these things are baked into the cake of the problems that the NBA is having. Uh, I just think it's all an interesting thing. But probably the biggest problem is just the season's too long. I mean, who really wants to watch games in the first quarter of the season? I mean, really, if you like the NBA, you can not watch any of the regular season, in my view, and tune in on the first night of the playoffs. I don't think you've really missed a thing. So I think that all of these things are are playing The teams that are racing to get into the final seeds aren't going to win. They're not. I mean, we haven't seen anyone make a legitimately deep run as a, as a bottom four seed uh, in a really long time. And so it's like, there's, there's no reason. I mean, I guess you could be interested in who's securing home court at the top of the standings, but that's not exactly the biggest draw. And so you're right. You don't have to pay attention until April. Yeah. And so, you know, there's this other thing out there. I don't know if you've heard about it. We don't need to spend much time on it, but it seems like the league, uh, Adam Silver and a lot of the owners are worried about this trend that they're, you know, they're losing viewers and they're floating some ideas of a mid-season tournament, uh, the details of which are being worked out. But, you know, I think they're looking at the soccer model a lot of having a bunch of different tournaments and trying to create some sort of kind of artificial excitement, some artificial buzz to sort of break up the monotony of the regular season. And honestly, you know, why not? Why not try it? I think that they're they're in a good position to try it just because so many of their fans, you know, the people that are still watching, probably would like that. You know, they like the player movement. They like all the social media. They're not going to be upset about some sort of contrived tournament. You may piss off some traditionalists, but I think it's the traditionalists that are tuning out now anyway. So I'm interested to see, you know, what they sort of come up with to try to generate some some added interest before the spring playoffs start. Yeah, I mean, I I am too. I think, like... You've heard these proposals for like a mid-season tournament and like I just – I don't think that moves the needle for people. Uh, but like I'm not sure really what is going to in the immediate future. I think I think we may just kind of need to wait for a cycle of injured players to come back and, and for um, – to, to see kind of – you know, what, we, what we're missing right now I feel like a little bit is a little bit of that rivalry element. Um, that used but the to be guys are really- changing teams every year. Right. Well, and that used to really matter to people. It was yeah, like, it you know, whether it was Celtics Lakers or whether it was or whether it was like Knicks Heat or whether it was, um, you know, I, I don't know. Like I, there are Pacers there are Knicks enough back in the day. Pacers, yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. there are enough of those old rivalries 
that really used to matter to people that kind of just aren't there anymore. And, you know, I, I think, like you said, part of that is because of all the people changing teams. Um, but there's all, all, it's also like the promotion of the individual over the team. Uh, and, and some people aren't all about that promotion as, as you mentioned, because some of these guys' personalities aren't appealing to, uh, the, the entire or the, the broad general public, but you know, it's, that's, that's going to go part and parcel with the way you're kind of choosing to market the league and its players. If, if you're going to um, kind of prop up the individual, then you're, you're going to get the, the bad with the good. Yeah, and there's another thing we should mention, too, and then we're going to move on. It's this load management thing, you know, with all these mm-hmm. players sitting mm-hmm. out now. I think that's all part of it. You know, fans don't know who's going to play night to night. I think also it's sort of, you know, claws at the skin of a certain percentage of the population who sees these guys making all this money and doesn't think that they should be sitting out any game if they're healthy. So I think that that bothers some people as well. So I I do, I think that it's all part of it. I I just think it's a, it's a very layered and nuanced thing. But at the end of the day, I don't really think that the NBA is in any sort of trouble per se. I think that, you know, the, the streaming numbers aren't taken into account into these ratings, which is crazy to me. Then the other thing that isn't taken into account is the international appeal. I think it's by far the most internationally uh, loved sport of the three major American sports. I think they're doing great. That's why this whole thing, the scandal that, uh, that happened in China was such a big deal because they have so many viewers over there and there's so much money wrapped up in that. But So I think at the end of the day, this is not really a sign that the NBA is in any sort of trouble. I think the fans will be there when the playoffs start in the spring. Uh, and, you know, just to me, to look at the first quarter of this season in particular, you know, where so many changes happen, is a little bit unfair to the NBA. I think they're fine. I'm just interested in all the reasons because I think all these reasons yeah. that we've mentioned are legit reasons. Yeah, and some of them are going to have to change. And I, I don't necessarily think that the league as a whole uh, has lost the interest of the public. And I think, you know, the league is doing as well now as it has been uh, in, in maybe a decade or two. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's still thriving, but uh, by comparison, it's, it's, it's taking yeah. a little bit of a dip. And, and you give, but you give that, I'll give the NBA credit for this. Like Adam Silver is willing to experiment with things and they're, they're, they're going to be willing to try things maybe, yeah. maybe more than any other league. So yeah. I, I think that changes will be afoot. And, and I think, and I think that that is part of what makes Silver a pretty darn good commissioner. I like that. So, yeah. um, all right. In the book, um, you know, obviously we got a big slate of bowl games coming up. We don't need to take talk any bowl games now. Uh, by the way, this will be our last episode for a while because we got Christmas. You're going out of town. So we'll be back sometime, what, like in the second week of January. So we won't yeah. really have to talk too much about the bowls, which is fine with me. Um, are there any NFL games coming up this weekend that you like betting-wise? Yeah, there are a couple actually. Um, I, I started looking down the list, and I was like, I didn't, I didn't see much, but um, I, I think that that Jacksonville is a little bit frisky. They they got that win out of Oakland last week after trailing uh, by I think thirteen in that game, yeah. and they're getting seven points against Atlanta. I think it's a, it could be an easy flat spot for Atlanta, who ju- just went out and, and played their Super Bowl against the Forty ers and won. 
so I like Jacksonville getting a touchdown there. I, I'm a bit of a believer in the Minshew mania overall. I think he's got enough grit to keep him in the game. And, uh, and you know, I think Marone may even be coaching for his job. So uh, he's done. Ta- It doesn't matter what he's done. He's done. Well, they, they, they just canned Coughlin for all these grievances that were going on. So, But you, you wonder if there's going to be some response from Jacksonville there. We'll see. But I, I like them catching seven. Um, I think New Orleans is just a much better team than Tennessee. I know Tennessee has been playing well, but uh, I think New Orleans should be a bigger favorite than three points going into Nashville. So I like uh, the Saints there, even though they're on a short week. Um, I also think that the Panthers are catching too many points against the Colts. Colts just got eliminated from the playoffs. They're not going to be putting guys like forcing guys out there um, who are who've been banged up that have been playing through injury the last couple of weeks. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, very close to a record-setting season, and uh, I think they're going to keep trying to feed him. And, you know, Carolina kept it close with Seattle last week. I see no reason they can't keep it within seven or even win outright against Indianapolis, who's really just been out of sorts. Um, it tends a big number with Baltimore, but they got the only team that really whooped them this year was Cleveland, and I, I think they're going to change that. Cleveland's a total mess. I think that Baltimore wins this game by, like, three touchdowns. Um, and then... This is the spot in the season where I think after looking great, Dallas uh, trips all over themselves. And uh, I think Philly wins this game outright. They're catching two and a half at home. Uh, I like the Eagles there. And then I also like the Cardinals catching nine and a half points against the Seahawks. Seahawks are a better team. But again, their defense, as I mentioned earlier in the show, is really banged up and really soft. You can score on them. And they're happy to just win, being the being that they're in the driver's seat. So they, they're not looking – I mean, obviously, you know, they're, they're, they're going to go out to play and play well. But I don't think they're going to be as, nearly as concerned with winning big as just winning uh, and getting out of there healthy. So usually when – and you know what? I also like Kansas City laying six. I think that's not enough points. I don't have any faith in Mitch Trubisky. Or the Bears at this point, I think that the Chiefs are rounding into form. Usually, when I like this many games, I'm going to be wrong on all of them, but I like about seven of them, and I actually feel pretty good you about like them. You like a lot of games. You I do. do. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, when I look at this slate overall, a few things jump out to me. One, you've got some really bad games, and you've got some really good games. I mean, you've got some really bad games. The Giants. Yes. Playing the Redskins is one of them, and the Cincinnati playing Miami is one of them. I mean, those games total, I think, have 10 combined wins between those four teams, I think. So those are some terrible games. You also have some very good games. Uh, On Saturday, I think the Rams and the Niners is really good. I think the Bills and the Patriots is really good. And then on Sunday, uh, you mentioned one of them. Uh, the Saints at Titans is a really good game. Uh, the Sunday night game is a pretty good game. Kansas City and Chicago. Dallas and Philly, obviously, is for the division. And then Monday night might be the best game of the weekend. The Packers visiting the Vikings. I'm really looking yeah. forward to that game. What um, do you make of that one? Because I think that this is the kind of spot that historically you'd say the Packers find a way to win this game. But... The Packers haven't necessarily shown that their wins have come kind of ugly, and, and frankly, Minnesota's looked darn good. Yeah, you know, when I look at this slate, Ryan, and I look at some of the the, the line movement that I'm looking at, uh, this is a cla- I think this weekend's a classic weekend where the books are going to clean up. I think you're going to have some really big public teams. Uh, you mentioned one of them, the Saints. The Saints, yep. The Saints are a, going to be a huge public team, and I like the Titans there. I agree. It does seem like it should be more than three. It opened at one and a half. 
I think the Titans are Which the means play it's there. stinky. I think the Titans are the play there. Um, another game you also mentioned is the Ravens. They open at minus 7 on the road going to Cleveland. That's been bet up to 10. Everyone thinks the Ravens are amazing and the Browns suck. Everyone's going to be on the Ravens. I like the Browns catching 10 there. Um, I like the Eagles as well. Uh, Dak's shoulder isn't right. I saw some quotes today that he told his receivers in the huddle that on the RPO there was no way he was going to actually throw it because his shoulder was hurting and he couldn't get it there. Um, and he hasn't been practicing. Wow, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, he's got a bad shoulder. I think he had an MRI today. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, Obviously, that's something to keep your eye on. They're favored by two and a half. I feel like people should get in on the Eagles before we find out that Dak isn't going to even play. Um, so I like mm. the Eagles there. And then I like the Bears. I think, again, mm. the Chiefs open at minus four. It's up to minus six. Everyone's going to be on the Chiefs. Give me the Bears in the freezing cold at Soldier Field on Sunday night. Um, and then, you know, to the same point, I think everyone's going to be on the Packers. On the road, catching five and a half. Uh, the Packers are always a public team, but I would be inclined to lay the point with Minnesota. Moving, that line's moving with Minnesota, though. Yeah, it is. The thing that I worry about with Minnesota is, is Dalvin Cook going to play? Right, he's been banged right. up a lot. He left last week's game. He I don't barely, think he's going to. I, I don't, don't think he plays till the playoffs. That's a scary one to me. I, I don't know. I, I said I like Minnesota. I'm not sure I do. That That's a really scary one. But those are the ones that I like, I think. Now those, 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 that's enough. Those jump out. Uh, All right. Wild card me. Yeah, I've got a wild card for you. And uh, being that he's he's been the source of some content for us, we should probably start giving our boy Tone an associate producer credit, but I yeah, saw. Tone, I, I, I know where you're going. I saw the. Tweet. I, yeah, so he he tweeted something about a, a a perfect scenario in which he would just kind of mic drop and walk off into the right off into the sunset of sports fandom, uh, never to pay attention to sports or or really um, be about it again. That you basically you could walk away from sports happy if it happened. I've got one, and uh, and the scenario is. It's actually one that isn't entirely far-fetched. Um, it says, if the Niners beat Dallas, Green Bay, and Seattle, my three most hated NFC rivals, in the playoffs, and then beat Baltimore in the Super Bowl, avenging their loss from 2013, I swear to God I will retire as a sports fan, and you'll never, ever hear from me again. <laughs> now, I would never promise to to do that, even if the, the greatest of fortunes happened to my team. But my, my curiosity is this. What is that scenario for you as a sports fan for either one of your teams or some confluence of events maybe happening simultaneously? Or what is your sports nirvana, so to speak? I've got two scenarios that would kind of be like that for me. But I wouldn't walk away as a sports fan. But it, it just this would be as good as it gets. Right, There's that's two. what we're looking for. There's two. The Braves beating the Mets in the NLCS and then beating the Yankees in the World Series. I mean, that would be... I would just okay. be levitating if that happened. Okay. And then uh, in college football, and this is feasible, uh, you know, Alabama's got an undefeated season going into the Iron Bowl. Uh, they beat Auburn. Then they get a rematch somehow with Tennessee in the SEC championship game. They beat the Vols. They go to the playoffs, and let's say they get to beat, 
Michigan in the semifinal and USC in the final, something like that. Uh, that that would that would be it. That it, it couldn't get any better than that for me. Okay, yeah, mine would be mine would definitely be in the realm of college football. Uh, came came close against uh, or came close in 2010 when uh, they lost to Auburn in the national championship game, but, but basically running the table. I mean, obviously the championship is just the most important thing, but you're talking about ultimate sports Nirvana. It starts with the ducks going on the road, uh, and, and beating a powerhouse non-conference opponent. Uh, next year they go to Columbus. That would be a perfect one. Uh, if they, you know, basically that's going to be a hell of a game. Yeah. Open the season, uh, you know, with like a win at the shoe, Run the table through league play, beating all your you know all your Northwest rivals in the process. Uh, you know, beating the Huskies, beating Washington State, beating Oregon State. Uh, you know, beating USC too, and it has to include. It can't be a year that you miss USC. You got to have that satisfaction um, as well. And then going into the playoff and beating two of college football's blue bloods. So whether that's being pitted against you know an Alabama and then beating a Clemson or, uh, you know, an Oklahoma and an LSU or something like that. I want, I want to bookend the season with, uh, losses against traditional powers that prove Oregon can finally hang on this national scene and that there's no more convincing needed, no fluke, uh, that, that basically it, it is done in a fashion that say, okay, these guys are real champs. Yeah. That would be great if they could do that. And I saw they did pretty well today in a National Signing Day, although I think the Huskies closed pretty strong, didn't they? They did. Yeah, the Huskies, I yeah. believe, closed with an even better class. The one thing is that Oregon's class could go up. There's, uh, there are two kids that they're uh, in the final you know, two or three choices for that signed their letters of intent but aren't going to announce who they're playing for until they're like – you know, nationally televised All-American yeah, game. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I think Alabama's got a couple guys like that, too. Yeah, so there's one guy in particular, uh, a defensive back, uh, like the number three uh, overall cornerback in the country out of Kansas City who is uh, thought to be an Oregon lead and is one of those guys. If he signs with them, they'll finish with the top ten class. But for me, the craziest and most alarming thing about this national, this early signing day was that USC finished 12th of 12 in the Pac-12 in recruiting. Truly beat out incredible. by the Beavers, beat out by Cal. I mean, th- there is, that is as, to me, as fireable an offense. Ar- yeah. E- either, yeah, I mean, that is to me as fireable an offense for Clay Helton as anything he's done on the field. There is zero totally excuse as you. USC to not be finishing at least in the top half, if not the top two or three of your conference every single year, but to be dead last with the resources that you have, with the track record that you have, with the, uh, just with the, the magnifying with the money, with the the money, the money and the media power. I mean, all of it. Like I, I, I don't know how that's possible. I don't either. Um, it's pretty bad. And, you know, I just felt like these national, you know, the rankings are not the be all and end all. But no. I do think they matter. I think that you need to be yes. signing a bunch of four- and five-star guys. I mean, those are the difference makers on your football team, and you need to be doing it every year. And to me, I think, again, we saw today that the same teams that we've been seeing at the top are going to stay at the top. And we're talking about the SEC West, 
along with Georgia and Florida. I mean, the SEC is just, I mean, you say what you want, but the SEC is dominating. They're, they're, they're dominating recruiting on a national scale. So you saw that. You saw Ohio State and Michigan continue to do really well. You saw Oklahoma and Texas continue to do really well. And you saw Clemson continue to do the best. And, you know, you're not seeing any teams, any other teams in the Big Ten or the Big 12 or the ACC really rising up to the top and challenging either those one or two teams in those conferences. And I think, to me, that's the story of National Signing Day, coupled with the fact that, you know, Oregon's on the rise, but is it enough? I mean, to me... The, the gap between the the big three plus Clemson and then, you know, is just the gap between those conferences oh, it's staggering. and There's the Pac-12 no Pac continues to in widen. The top 10 in recruiting, not in the top 10. And Oregon was in there last year, but you need to have you need to have that that high end talent. And Oregon's a little bit of it, but it's not nearly enough. The gap needs to close. And, and, you know, the SEC is just so goddamn competitive, Ryan. It's just, it's the, you know, again, you, you say what you want, but when we sit here and you look and you watch the big picture like we do, I just don't understand how people can, can really even make the argument that the SEC top to bottom isn't far and away the best conference right now. I, I just No, don't, you, can't. You, you can't. can't. you can't. You can't argue that. Okay. Um... I've got a wild card. Here's my wild card. By the way, this Utah-Kentucky game is tightening up here on ESPN, too. Hmm. Utah had been up double digits. Now they're only up four. They're playing at the T-Mobile Center, whatever it's called, in Vegas. And for some reason, Kentucky's got their logos all over the floor, which I don't understand, but that's not my wild card. I digress. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Here's my wild card. I saw – I guess I was watching – some NFL on Sunday. I was watching the Niners game on Fox. The only time I'm going to turn on Fox is for a sporting event. But they were advertising some new show that they've got called Flirty Dancing. And I don't really know what it is. I did see this stupid. I I, I saw this. It's like a dating dancing show. I suspect it's some sort of offshoot of Dancing with the Stars and they're going to Foxify it. And I just got a real kick out of the title. I mean, what kind of dancing isn't flirty dancing? I mean, isn't that the whole point of dancing, really? It's but, a great point, Michael. Exactly. But that's not really the, my point. My point is, is what are some of your, you know, over the years, some of your guilty pleasure kind of trashy TV shows that you've been into? Oh, I, I've had a bunch of them. And, and, I, and part <laughs> of that was the line of work that we were both in is that, like, when we worked together in TV production and – kind of the end of your day was the the busiest and uh, you know kind of highest stress or or whatnot. So you kind of have have, you know, most people with their job ease into the end of the day and TV production was not that way. You kind of end uh, running the sprint and uh, and then you need to cool down. And so I, I watched w- you know way too much bad late night TV after getting off work at eleven thirty or midnight. Mm-hmm. And uh so one of them for me was the show Swamp People on History Channel. Have you seen this? I've I've seen it a little bit, yeah. So basically the premise, if you're not familiar, is it's a bunch of people on the bayou who have who are, are just alligator hunters who have uh, legal tags from Louisiana to um, fulfill a certain quota 
of gators and they just they just go up and down the bayou on their boats killing gators and right. i've watched dozens of episodes <laughs> of that crap and uh then uh i referenced tone and my wild card anthony garcia and i or huge fans of MTV's The Challenge, which was basically started with them taking people from the real world or road rules and putting them in a house together, but uh, giving them an athletic-based competition. So they're they're doing kind of uh, extreme sport competitions against each other, and they're living in the same house. So you get the same drunken drama that you get on the real world, but then you add a sports element to it where they're, where a champion is crowned. And, uh, Anthony and I were so into that at one point, we even had a fantasy draft where we drafted, um, cast members to potentially win the challenge and, uh, loser had to buy a, a night of drinks out. So, um, that was definitely up there. And then there's also another show. I can't even remember if it's on, it might be discovery, but there's a show naked and afraid. Have you seen that one? I've heard of it. Um, I it basically not, I is not a, seen it. the premise of this one is it's like a survival show, but the twist is you, they, they drop you off completely naked where you are. And it's one man, one woman in some remote, obscure wilderness location. I've, it's everything from a uh, deserted Island to the Everglades to the Saharan desert. They're just buck naked and they just walk producers have them just walk up and meet each other in the buff. And it's like, all right, now you guys have to survive for three weeks together uh, with no clothing and, you know, have to make your own shelter. It's like survivor meets this. Awkward yeah, it was a survivor spinoff. Yeah. And it's, and you know, there's, there's never anything like romantic going on because people are just trying to stay alive. But right. uh, the awkwardness makes it, I think even a little more compelling. So those, those would be my guilty pleasure TV shows over the years. Yeah, I don't have a ton. I mean, I'm on record. I don't watch a ton of TV shows, period, and I'm not a big guilty pleasure guy. There was a time in the early days of The Bachelor. I was in, I, I probably watched two or three seasons of The Bachelor okay. in the early days. I actually kind of liked it. I didn't fully grasp back then how contrived the whole thing was. I thought it was more... <laughs> You know, in the early days of reality TV, I was kind of a sucker for the whole thing. Like, yeah. go, going back to... Uh, well, I also think it was less manufactured then, and now I think it's overproduced. Uh, probably so. It was, But yeah. reality TV used to be a little bit more reality, and now it's just it's not. It's just uh, kind of... I mean, I haven't watched a quote-unquote reality show in many years. But, yeah, you're probably right. I'm not the best person to say... You know, but I remember I was real into the real world in the early days on MTV. Yep. I love that. Uh, me and my sister you watch, used to watch the shit out of that. Yeah, well, I watched that. that too. But, you know, I was into the early days of, of uh, Survivor as well. I was real into huh? that for, you know, four or five seasons. And then, I, like I said, I was into uh, The Bachelor until I realized that it was, a you know, just a bunch of shit. But um, I, for me, those are probably my, my top three. My wife is pretty into some really bad shows specifically she she loves this show called uh dance moms which is about okay. yeah. which is about like you know moms that have their like real young daughters doing these like dance recitals that are like yeah. precursors to beauty pageants and the moms are just in it to win it i mean i've seen a few episodes of that with my wife and it is <laughs> they're insane it is horrible I mean, yeah. like it sh that that shit shouldn't even be on television. Honestly, it it's just yeah. There's something garbage. similar with with football coaches and peewee 
uh, football players, I've kids like, who are like six and coaches yeah. like making them bash their skulls against each other. I've never seen that, but I haven't. I've never seen it, but it, it gets the same kind of response where it's like people are like, "This shouldn't even this isn't right." Yeah, no, it, it's like you you shouldn't be enabling and encouraging this type of behavior. Honestly, yeah. it's wrong. But I'm gonna get off my high horse now and go to bed. How's that sound? <laughs> that sounds okay. Well, look. I hope you have a great holiday. I hope you get to go to India and, you know, everything's great. And I look forward to hearing about it when you get. So you're getting back on the 6th. So we'll talk then and we'll have a new show out in the new year, a new season, if you will, uh, in 2020. All right. Well, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to, uh, to you and yours and to Everyone who chooses to listen to this podcast, we certainly appreciate it. Yeah, we do. And maybe but the Ducks and the and, and the Crimson Tide will come up with big big but meaningless wins in their in their pretty good bowl game. And the the granddaddy of them all is never meaningless. I love the Rose Bowl and even though it doesn't won't do anything for the standings, that's an important game for me as a fan to win and I so I certainly yeah. hope the Ducks are victorious. Well, I don't like Michigan. I hope Alabama just absolutely obliterates Michigan on New Year's I Day. I think they might. I, I think they, they might. might. We'll see how many guys play for Bama. Well, they apparently only two guys are going to sit out. So Is that it? That'd be, that's that'd what be they're big, saying. Then. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Have a great one. Good night, everybody. Sleep tight. Good night, y'all.